Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey guys, welcome back to another Right Way podcast. Today is one of my favorite days. We're doing <laughs> coffee and trades. Yes. Where we yes. Can just talk about books. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects today, favorite types of books, uh, which is nonfiction. Um, as most of you know, the bulk of our clients that we get are nonfiction clients. My nightstand is literally stacked like it's like the leaning tower of <laughs> books right now and I'd say I have about 10 on there that are nonfiction. I have several novels as well but well and we were sort of discussing it we were talking about like what's on our nightstand and it just so happened that not only you and myself but also your husband Alex everybody was in the process of reading nonfiction tons of nonfiction I actually yeah. grabbed a couple of his that he that he's reading as well to chat about today because they're so amazing and I'm like hurry up and read these so I can read them he's a notoriously like methodical reader which makes him a great editor actually but he um yeah. I also like to refer to myself as a methodical reader but it's you, just a pleasant yeah. way of saying slow Slow, exactly. That's that was trying not to be mean. So yes, he is a slow reader, but that's I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> um, all, what uh, I have to ask because I'm curious because I'm switching it up today. Ooh. What's your coffee situation as we go? So, we yeah. actually so every Friday we go to the farmers market and um, which I love. I mean, it's still you know you have to wear masks and all that fun shit, but they always have this cool uh, pandemic shit. Yes, cool pandemic shit. Um, they have a, a brewer out there, a local brewer. So we actually got a bag. I think it's called like Humphreys or something, but it was roasted like a day before we got it. Uh, it is a light roast. I made some homemade almond milk to go into uh, it. It's getting colder outside. So I'm like, ooh, I want like a little, a little latte action. So that uh, is what I'm drinking. Yeah. What about you? Yes. I'm doing, uh, I am doing a home cold brew. Ooh, cold uh, on ice yeah so which is kind of weird but it's still about it's about 80 right now so it still kind of has that, you guys like, were like 40 well we, <laughs> do, we do, you know we thanks to global warming we totally yeah. uh, to climate change we dive bombed from 90 degree weather to yep. 40 degree weather got snow denver oh got gosh. snow all of the local ski resorts got snow and then went right back up and now we're still getting like the lingering taste of summer. So us too. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I got a this great, we really like this. I really like this um organic fair trade coffee from Vancouver called Kicking Horse. I'm really, I really love Kicking Horse coffee. Yeah. yeah it's so great. good. Yeah. So I use that, I get their ground and uh just infuse it for about 12 to 16 hours in the fridge. And sure. uh good to go. Nice strong cold. Awesome. Brew. Caffeinated. Um, so, so today we're also going to be looking, not only are we going to talk about what's on our nightstands, but we're going to be looking at um, some new nonfiction that's coming out the entire month of October. We're using book culture. So bookculture.com today to really look at the books that they're highlighting. Um, mm -hmm. And again, like I don't really check out these websites 
you know, to get my book news, like normally I don't even know how I hear about books. I think it's just probably honestly, Instagram, word of mouth. Um, yeah. So it's fun to, to And worth it for y'all who are, you know, maybe at that stage where you're thinking about tackling publishing or whatever to sort of look at like, yes. it's a great way to see what the marketplace looks like. 100% see what, what titles, you know, not only what's selling really well, but what titles often get um, just written about on these, on these sites and, mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, the different types. Like I've been talking to agents and editors lately and like, what's selling right now, especially in nonfiction. We just had this conversation. I found it so interesting. So self-help and self-development, which you would think right now more than ever people yeah. need, uh, yeah. it's not selling like at all. So what's selling is business books because that's so hilarious people, because people are like, yo, I have enough problems. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't have to fucking <laughs> deal with the problems that you're telling me I already have. Well, and I mean, also I need to be an entrepreneur because totally. exactly. it's dark. Yeah. Ex well, exactly. And I think so many people have lost their jobs and they're looking to maybe pivot. Yeah. Maybe start their own businesses. So it's really interesting to see what types of books are being picked up, what's selling. Mm -hmm. And I'm super interested to see what the trend is going to be heading into yeah. 2021. Speaking of which, like yes. what we, uh, we're looking at kind of like what the big, big titles coming out this fall. So we're definitely looking at like October, November. Yeah. So this yeah. one is actually coming out um, October 1st and it's a book called Wanderers, a history of women walking by Carrie Andrews. And the little blurb about this book is literary scholar and keen hill walker, Carrie Andrews profiles 10 women from an 18th century Parsons daughter to literary notables like Virginia Woolf and Cheryl Strayed for whom walking was a source of pleasure, self-knowledge and creativity. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, it's so funny, like women walking, I know, you know, secret walking is just, it is my Meditative. Meditative. Yeah. And um, one of the books on my nightstand um, that we'll go into that Alex is reading, and I've been like hungrily trying to snatch it away from him, but it's called The Oxygen Advantage um, by Patrick uh, McKeon or McKeon. I'm not sure oh, how he yeah. pronounces yeah. his last name, but it is the most amazing scientific book on breathing and all of his breathing exercises, which again, it's all nasal. Nasal breathing is the key to everything but it's all done while walking. Um, and which is so cool. And I mean, it's, it's, I think so natural and important, but we just don't focus on, on how we breathe, but yeah, breathing and walking to me are just two of my favorite things. So this should be a fun book to go check out. Wanderers. Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. And like, uh, same day, also releasing October 1st is, uh, uh, writer and scholar, Tom Kemer, Kamer, not sure what it is. Uh, Tom Kemer, uh, his his book, Jane Austen, Writing Society and Politics, where he explores uh, the major themes of um, throughout most of Austen's novels. And he sets them in the literary, social, and political backgrounds that they emerged from. And uh, and he shows how they engage with social, social ten tensions in an era that was dominated, uh, fully dominated by the French Revolution and the Napoleonic Wars, which is what a like an interesting time to once again, like look back at the past while we're in yet another era where social tension is like the oh name of the game right now. Did you read, it's so crazy how many books have been written either about Jane Austen or in that style or like both fiction and nonfiction. Were you a Jane Austen fan? You want to know what is, 
I'm going to say the saddest thing I've ever. You've, you haven't read. Not her. a single title. Yes. Well, I mean, that's not unheard of as a, as a male. I guess not. But I, but I, I do feel like there are, there are a lot of like Austinophiles and then, <laughs> and then people that have, I, I mean, I think obviously there's like the sense of dabbling in some of the more popular titles, but I haven't even gotten to those and I just feel. I know. I want to go. Do you remember the book Middle March? Yes. By George Eliot. Which we had to like, read that at yes, Columbia. We for did it. Antonia Logue's class. And it's actually one of my favorite books. I mean, I haven't gone back and read it or anything, but I remember at the time I, I loved it so much. But I, when I went to London, that's a big I, sucker too. That's like it's a, dense... a it's a huge book. Um, yeah. But I went to London and I went to her grave um, and visited her grave <laughs> when I was there, but. It is always isn't Marianne Evans. George, yeah, I think I, by George Eliot, but yeah, which always bothered me. I'm like, oh, why you have to write under a male name in order to be published? Like, fuck a whole bunch of that. Like, it's just it's just insane. Um, but that was such a such a good book. I've often wanted to go back and and re reread a bunch of the classics to yeah. see if they still hit me the same way. But I'm so weird about that. I never ever reread a book. Uh, I have been sort of rereading, I think, books that I've visited or skimmed or just didn't have a good sense of. I, I think I, I told you, like, I'm, I'm sort of, like, neck deep in, uh, in literary horror, like the horror yes. genre. Because you're writing a book that we're going to talk about. I'm writing a horror book. But I'm, re I'm revisiting all these, like, like old classic books. And especially I think like Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House I've really yes, yes. have this kind of new appreciation for because she's actually like and not to get off on a tangent but she was a very like uh divisive author because mm -hmm. not only uh because she was a woman writing about terror and horror and like like many other female writers sort of dominated that genre um but uh but her short story The Lottery also like was very divisive, like in our creative writing program, mm -hmm. um, was sort of like a source of, of, of a little bit of tension, but I'm just, I've got this like newfound, like awe and appreciation for that woman. So um, that's awesome. interesting to reread and revisit books you haven't touched in a couple of years. Oh, yeah. How your age and experience sort of affects what you take, for, take from it. Oh my gosh. Beyond. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. yeah. I think that process of like rereading anything is so interesting. This one, speaking of interesting, sounds really interesting. Coming out October 6th is White Tears, Brown Scars, How White Feminism Betrays Women of Color by Ruby Hamad. It says, journalist and researcher Ruby Hamad charts the history of white feminism being used as a weapon of white supremacy and patriarchy deployed against Black and Indigenous women and women of color. Hamad's writing is as compelling as her central argument about the legacy of white superiority that we are socialized within, a reality that we must apprehend in order to fight. So obviously super, super relevant conversation, um, especially yeah. around the, the female aspect. You know, I don't see a ton of books really calling that out. And Well, and it's time. I mean, obviously so like with, uh, with the injustice, injustice continuing to be served, uh, the murder of Breonna Taylor, I feel huh. like come on i mean we have to address the fact that like black women are so, are the most marginalized and underappreciated and undervalued uh minority group in 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 america absolutely and Crazy. i mean i think 
books like this, you know, it's, I just feel like it's our duty to really learn as much as we can and expose ourselves to, I mean, I don't know, not just like reading books and, but like getting out there and, and doing what you can, um, about it. Another book on our nightstand that uh, Alex and I are both reading right now is how to be an anti-racist by Ibram X. Kendi. It is a oh, yeah. fantastic book. Oh my God. I'm like, okay. I, I just feel like, I mean, he's so, so intelligent. It's so well-written and it's, it is a book that everyone needs to read. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's phenomenal. And it came, I mean, it came out, I don't know if it came out last year, um, but it was a number one New York Times bestseller and can't, can't recommend that book enough. I, I yeah. think it's like a masterclass on what we actually need to know, which is being an anti-racist, which is actually putting effort into it. Not just like, I'm not a racist. You're either a racist yeah. or you're yeah. actively an anti-racist. There is yeah. no <laughs> in between. So yeah. And and speaking of that, on topic, uh, dropping October 13th, uh, is a book by a freelance writer. She's, she's a New York writer, Talia Lavin. Um, uh, her book, Culture Warlords, My Journey into the Dark Web of White Supremacy. Mm. She did a deep online dive into the digital world of white supremacy. Oh, my God. Uh, plumbing the depths of Reddit, 4chan, a whites-only dating site, neo-Nazi message boards. Uh, she spent several long years. She herself, who's, a, I think, a, a devout, obviously, like, a de- she's a devout anti-racist and, like, not very, she, she claimed to be not very versed in the digital world, but she, in this book, she unco- uncovers these dark crevices of the internet um, with results that are so compelling, if horrifying, that they expose white supremacists who share their hate on the World Wide Web. Uh, using that to reach larger and larger larger audience. It's, uh, they call it shocking, humorous, and merciless in equal measure. Cultural warlords explore some of the vilest subcultures in the web and shows us how we can fight back, which is maybe the most important component of that. God, world. you know, Alex and I were just talking about this last night. Like, how, where does this happen? I mean, you know, no one is born a racist or a white supremacist or any of these things. I mean, of of course, it's society and culture, but every single person who is a racist, like those are not their thoughts, their thoughts and, and these narratives that have been handed down so ignorantly. And it's just, well, it's unnatural, right? It's so unnatural. And it's, but, so but it is, it is a narrative. The devaluation of blacks is a narrative that's like just written into the history and into American society. Well, I mean, uh, not just black though. I mean, I feel no, like totally, Asian, totally Indian, yes, Mexican. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, ever since I I was a child, I was just like, it's fucking pigment. Like, I do not, who gives a shit? I mean, I, I don't know. And I think just like being in the South and growing up here, you know, I've often been ashamed of, of just my heritage and what I, you know, what I grew up with. And then like thinking back into the history books, even, and, and what we learn about how we revere all these like, you know, presidents, white people who were fucking slave owners. And, well, and I just, think one of the, bring up a great point. I think, you, you know, you mentioned like growing up in the, in the South. I think that our, the biggest enemy for white people is our um, <clears throat> apathy and our ignorance and our dismissiveness. And dismissiveness, I think, yeah. you know, I grew up in the Midwest and I um, feel like wherever we sort of like relegate racism to a place we're like oh that only happens in alabama or whatever like oh oh but, completely but if you look at the you, oh look talk at, about that and talk I, about the, I i was uh i did a little bit of a deep yes. dive um 
into sunset towns, which um, yeah. for anybody that doesn't know, uh, or any white people in particular that doesn't know, because black people know, um, sunset towns are the town, are quote unquote sunset towns, are towns, counties, and places that essentially black people know not to go drive through, be in after sunset. And so ridiculous. Um, I had seen an incredible um, uh, a LinkedIn post uh, that sort of addressed the issue. And then there was a Twitter user, a young, young, young black woman who was putting together a map, essentially an interactive uh, Google map that had tagged all of the sunset towns. She was sort of accumulating this data from people that were, were bringing it up. Sunset towns, both past and present, like wow. not only known sunset towns, but also places that even now, black people are like, don't be there, don't be there after dark. Um, and I looked at this map and sure, all of the places that you presume, but then like up the West Coast, California, Oregon, Washington, just peppered. You said California was the biggest. Oh, I, and like places close to in LA County, Pasadena. Yep. Yep. Uh, parts of Pasadena, Glendale, like, um, and then, you know, I looked in, in my own, from my own neck of the woods, like places in Michigan, Illinois, like just, it's every, it, it is pervasive. Yep. And the only reason that white people are so ignorant about it is because we've had the privilege and luxury of not having to know about it. Of of course. Because I mean, we, I don't know how you can not know, know about anything these days. I mean, I think I we all need to, to wake up, but yeah, I mean, you I need to wake when up. Yeah. When you told me that, I, I had a girlfriend from California. Actually, we we'd been to this place. Um, my husband and I called Serenby in Georgia, and it was like this like little utopian village. And I was worried that it was going to feel and seem very white, but we were pleasantly surprised. It was very diverse. We saw gay, straight, black, brown. I mean, it, just everybody represented. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then I had a girlfriend from California be like, oh, you know, one of my friends has heard about that place and said it's just like totally racist. And, you know, she just went into this thing and it was all, of course, hearsay. But I'm like, well, and I didn't tell her about the Sunset City thing, but I'm like, you live in a community where she tried to put a Black Lives Matter sign in her yard and neighbors came by and ruined her flowers and oh like God. took down. I'm like, you live in a wealthy community in Southern California like what I mean it's just it's also disgusting it's yeah I don't it's so something I literally cannot wrap my brain around it doesn't make sense to my brain and if you watch children I mean my daughter she's eight like it it doesn't even dawn on her never even dawns on her to like think about color or race and of really? course we've had to have the conversations now and she's just like that I don't what do you mean? I don't understand. Like, you know, so it's, it's just, I don't, I don't even know. There's no words to, there's no, there truly, are no words. Truly no words. Yeah. Um, so. All right. Moving on October 20th, <clears throat> another fun topic, the domestic revolution, how the introduction of coal into Victorian homes changed everything. And this is by Ruth Goodman is best known from her numerous BBC series, such as Victorian Farm. Ruth Goodman is a history reader's delight. With her signature wit and charm, Goodman explores how the switch from peat and firewood to coal revolutionized Victorian society from the way land use was managed to how people cooked their food and heated their homes. 
that's interesting that she could make a whole book out of that. I mean, I love books <laughs> like that that are like, yeah, yeah. like, wait, what is this about? <laughs> yeah, completely. I mean, that that is the subject I can honestly say I don't think I've ever thought I about before. So amazing that that can get published. That's awesome. Nothing about that. Hi guys, I just wanted to take a second and talk about one of my absolute favorite go-to podcasts. It's the only podcast I listen to every single week. It is called the Simply Be Podcast, and it happens to be created by one of my very best friends in the world, Jessica Zweig. She is amazing. We've known each other for well over a decade. I have worked with her at her very first company, Cheeky Chicago. And then when she found her company, Simply Be, I was right alongside with her and have really watched her grow this into an amazing seven-figure business. So every single week, I can't wait to tune in, not only because I love her, but because this show is kind of unlike any show that I know, where she's not only showing you the secret to developing a kick-ass life and brand, she's all about personal branding. And as we talk about on Right Way, building your brand, building your author platform is everything. It often makes a difference between you selling a book or not. The strategy is you. You are a personal brand. You are your own personal brand. And when we talk a lot on our podcast about the importance of author platform, personal branding is everything. We actually often really refer a lot of our clients to Simply Be because they are amazing at what they do. And what I love so much about Jessica's podcast is you're not only getting business strategies, you're getting her. You're getting these amazing, incredible guests from spiritual gurus to billion dollar moguls that not only talk about their life and their path to success, but they get into spirituality, they get into transformation and just really being yourself. Cannot stress how much I love this podcast. So if you are looking for new podcasts to check out, Simply Be Podcast. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, here's another really interesting <laughs> topic. Yeah, these are so these uh, are like these are the obscure titles. We should obscure. These aren't like the big like yeah. old yeah. whatever. These are more obscure, which I love that we're yeah. Me too. too. Uh, here's here's another one you guys might like to check out, and actually one I might check out. Um, Megan Rosenblum's oh my God. Uh, book <laughs> dropping on October 20th: Dark Archives, a librarian's investigation into the oh science and history of <gasps> books. Wait for around- it in human skin Uh, (laughs) just in time for halloween dark archives explores the gruesome practice of anthropodermic biblio bibliopagy the practice of binding books in human skin along the way rosenblum tells the story of how her team of scientists curators and librarians test rumored anthropodermic books untangling the myths around their creation and reckoning with the ethics of their custodianship. What? Okay, so my my husband always jokes about like making skin jackets or like skin suits, <laughs> you know, whatever. So we're getting this book. That is that is a practice I have never ever heard of. Bound in human skin. Oh man. Wow. Okay, let's see what the next one has in store. For <laughs> <laughs> let's go D. Yeah, this one's go called deep. The Genesis Quest: The Geniuses and Eccentrics on a Journey to uncover the origin of life on earth by Michael Marshall. 
how and why did life begin? It's perhaps the most enduring and impossible question human beings have ever asked themselves. Uh, here, science writer Michael Marshall recounts some of the theories and the people who have striven to answer it, which I think Amazing. I'm always so interested about that. Um, I mean, isn't that like right, the thing? Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> Where what the, the world? I mean, I, I feel like especially now, like 10 times a day, doesn't matter what I'm doing, uh, walking through a parking lot, getting in my car, uh, at home, whatever. I, I feel like I'll, I'll think of something or just see something and be like, what the fuck are we even doing here? Oh my God, what we're like we, a speck in the universe. What are we doing? Like, I mean, suspended in space and we, we make our little problems just like so <laughs> cute. Like my daughter got frustrated this morning. We took her iPad away because she listens to music and swings. As I've mentioned a million times, she calls it her meditation. Nice try. But we took her iPad away. And I mean, the things that she has just complains about or just, I'm like, put, Put it in perspective, sweetheart. Like you stubbed your toe. Oh, you don't get to listen to your iPad. Like, I, I mean, I know it's such a fine line between waking kids up <laughs> to their realities and letting them just be kids. But I feel like these habits we we have when we're when we're younger and just yeah. we put this like Joe and I were talking about this yesterday, but just this self-induced stress and false sense of urgency on almost everything in our lives and it's just kind of ridiculous i mean we we just we stress ourselves out and we live with such anxiety and add like that that was another thing i think in this oxygen advantage that alex shared the other night is you know i think it's like 30 minutes of screen time reduces your attention span to nine seconds, which is the equivalent of a goldfish. Sweet. And I was trying to pay attention to myself and I'm like, oh God, I don't even think I make it nine seconds without multitasking, my brain wandering. Like it's my total goal in 2021 and the rest of this year to be able to try to still my mind for even like two minutes where I can clear it because it is I mean, if, if anybody like went in there, they'd be like, holy shit. I mean, it just yeah. like, it's like a ping pong ball, just going yeah. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I feel like we're all kind of competing in that, in the same space where we're just distracting ourselves constantly with mental noise. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's, uh, and yet um, we keep at it <laughs> yes yeah we do but at least I, I we don't want to give up <laughs> no becoming conscious of it or aware of it truly truly is at least um, last on the list uh drop in october 27 speaking of um our attendance <laughs> nine seconds and uh, uh it's a, a book about uh the birth of u.s the america's global supremacy um talk about relevant uh get into that uh, Stephen Wertheim, who uh, I think is a policy and uh, policy guy, I feel like I've seen him on news programs or C-SPAN, maybe. Um, uh, the book is called "Tomorrow: The World: uh, The Birth of U.S. Global Supremacy." It's a sophisticated and impassioned narrative that questions the wisdom of U.S. supremacy, something we totally need to do right now, uh, while revealing the intellectual path that brought us to today's global entanglements and endless wars. A lot of relevant, relevant titles on this list, though. Um, really appropriate for the time. Uh, writers really answering the call, I feel like, 
Definitely. And I love like, I love seeing, you know, cause again, nonfiction, I feel like the, the books that pass our desks are off, often in the business, entrepreneurship, self-development, self-help, mm-hmm. wellness, mm-hmm. Space, and, and to see these very like niche topics. Oh, I mean, books I like found totally, in human skin. What? I'm totally <laughs> getting a book about human skin books. Oh my God. Human I mean, skin. if you want to talk about like a marketing boon oh my god you gotta bound the book about human skin bound books in- uh, <laughs> you have to you have to i'll donate i'll donate yeah. mine. oh my yeah. god so what is on Speaking currently of, yeah on your yeah. nightstand well um so yeah i definitely am um i feel like i have i'm like you very leaning tower of pisa yeah uh, I, I feel like i have two stacks right now i like a stack of books that i'm reading like for research and then i have the nightstand stack yeah. Uh, which right now is like, um, uh, I'm in, I'm into a couple of nonfiction titles. Uh, the one I'm most excited about, and I'm, I'm almost just almost finished. Um, it's a, uh, it's a book by Lawrence Gonzalez it actually came out in 2003. It's called deep survival. Mm. Who dies and why? Uh, it's, it, I, I think technically it's kind of a survival guide, but it's really just like stories about people who've experienced life-threatening events. Yeah. Um, but basically what Gonzalez is saying is that like um, accidents happen and survival for humans is hard because our brains have become wired or are, are, are wired to create future frameworks based on past experiences. Ooh. Um, so he yeah. sort of talks about how you might associate a certain activity with a positive outcome and ignore terrible issues that come up uh, because you've already decided that it's going to be kind of like a successful venture. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's, it's all about that. And then there's a second half that focuses just on survival um, and uh, based on all of his research, it's super, super interesting. Um, I re- really, I really, really enjoyed reading it um, because there's a part of me that believes I'm a survivalist. Um, no, sure. You're of course, yeah. uh-huh. Reading this book, I realized I'm totally not. Um, oh, well, there you go. So, so that's a great book. Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why uh, came out in 2003 by Lawrence Gonzalez. It's excellent. Awesome. And then the other one, which is a book I oftentimes go back to, I've got a couple of anthologies or a couple of nonfiction um, sort of uh, uh, best of. Uh, obviously, yeah. I, I keep a lot of Anthony Bourdain, Bourdain on the shelf. Uh, old, like. Uh, writings from restaurants but um i'm reading john uh, an anthology of john krakauer's uh oh, wow. days. just classic krakauer but it has a number of like some of his uh some of his best hits for anybody that doesn't know you know he's sort of one of the preeminent um uh journalist reporters just and just an incredible writer and he has a couple of great nonfiction books um uh, under the banner of heaven into thin air that are also pretty excellent but he just is, was able he's just is like He's so like first rate at like being able to write to command whatever milieu he's writing in. Mm-hmm. And he just covers like a lot, a lot of content, a lot of different kinds of content. And, and, and can, I, I mean, which is like obviously like the mark of a really good journalist, I think, is someone definitely like, he like dives in, gets into it, and can really pull you in as a reader. So. Um, that is where I am. Where are you uh, well, in nightstand reading? Yeah, God. So my nightstand, I feel like I just uh, swap out books 
you know, from time to time. And I, I often toggle a few, like I'll be reading a novel and a nonfiction book at the same time. But recently, Alex and I, like 2020 has been amazing. I've talked about it, but like for personal growth, um, self-growth, we've integrated some new, just new routines and thought patterns. But these, these last two weeks, we've totally shifted where we're getting up at five every day. Alex is going to do a 6 a.m. jujitsu class. At 5 p.m., I go down, I breathe in our little home gym. I breathe for 30 minutes. I do, I'm really changing the way I move. I'm doing this, like, it's called Melissa Wood. Um, it's a mix of, like, Pilates and yoga. And I also use the Aloe Yoga app. So I toggle between those two, doing some sort of movement. Then I do this Wayne Dyer meditation. It's this music that is unbelievable and is, like, some of the most beautiful music I've ever heard, but it's a 20 minute meditation um, that I listened to while in the sauna, which is amazing. And Joe actually got a sauna. Thanks Ooh, to yeah. Thanks to you guys. <laughs> um, so amazing. Referral. Yeah, it's so, amazing. so good. So Wayne Dyer is an author that I've always been drawn to. I mean, I got into him, oh God, probably 10, 15 years ago. And one of his first books that I read is The Power of Intention and was really introduced to him. My, my family really got into him. And I was lucky enough, my mother and I flew to Portland, Oregon, a few months before he died. And we got to meet him and go to this amazing event. So I always have one of his books on my nightstand. And thanks to this meditation, I was listening to an, uh, a podcast that he was on, um, cause they still play his stuff, even though he's passed away, which I love. And someone was suggesting this book called outrageous openness, openness, letting the divine take the lead by Tasha silver. Mm. And it was published in 2014. And I hadn't heard about her. She's so interesting, but it's this short collection. I mean, the, the chapters are like a page or two pages. Um, of really kind of connecting to the divine, to source, whatever your version of God is, but it's really, it's really um, funny and it doesn't take itself too seriously and super motivational, but just basically talking about getting out of your own way. And I've had all of these epiphanies lately of like, oh my God, I joke that I'm a control freak, but I, I literally like squeeze so tightly to the way things are done and how I think. And I'm just trying to get out of my own way, lighten up, let things flow. And I feel like I'm a fucking trained puppy where, or an untrained <laughs> puppy where my mind is so all over the place. I'm like, come on. Like just, yes. this is going to yes. take, it's going to take so much unraveling. It takes work. I think it does. Other weird thing about, and not to like, again, diverge, but I, the other thing about like self-improvement and self-evolution is like, I think the expectation is that we're going to like plow through a book and then we're going to like oh, make the decision yeah, and totally. it's happen tomorrow. And it's Hell like, no, no uh, this is like repeated, consistent, ongoing work that you for, will have to keep doing for the rest of your life. I mean, life. and it, it's a minute by minute, sometimes second by second thing. And I mean, um, I just ordered a book called spiritually sassy by this amazing, um, well, again, like spiritually sassy guy that I just heard on my friend's podcast. His name is saw. And he is just super out gay. He's a Buddhist. He's flamboyant. And he just like exudes joy. And I think 
we think about being spiritual as being serious and like meditation is serious and the work is serious. But he was talking about like, when you go out into the world, like that's where the work is done. I mean, if you are constantly triggered by your mom, let's say, if you can spend time with her and see her as like a funny being and you're not reacting and you're not getting frustrated and and you're starting to see the world and interact with the world in a different way, like that's being spiritual. And that's, that's where the work is done. It's not reading a book. It's not sitting in meditation. It's not, you know, I don't know, praying or thinking about things. It's actually how you are expressing yourself in the world and how you're interacting with it. Um, I think that's really where the work's done. Um, Another one of the books that I'm reading, I've actually never read any Deepak Chopra, which is surprising. Um, I don't, I don't know why, but I'm reading a book called Meta Human and Meta means beyond. So I'm, I'm literally trying to become beyond human, (laughs) Um, but it's Uh... unleashing your infinite potential, but it's a very like deep, he's just very deep in general. It's not um, super consumable or digestible, but some of these concepts are just kind of blowing my mind. Um, Another author that I love and a book that's on my nightstand is Joe Dispenza, uh, which is, um, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think it's called Becoming Supernatural. So yeah. Jesus, you're really trying to self-improvement. Yeah, leave. leave I'm trying to become a being of pure light. Yes, I am. I'm trying to leave. Dissolve into the ether. Exactly. (laughs) Just become like, going to a different dimension, essentially, is what I'm really trying to do. Yeah. Fuck leaving the country. I want to I want to leave. The last book I just want to mention, because you know, I don't, I don't think we get a ton of moms who listen to the podcast, but Wish we everybody did. is in this homeschool, virtual school world right now. And I wanted to just touch upon one of my favorite books. Like there's so many, I feel like people should, should read um, Free to Learn, Unschooled, Unschooling Rules, uh, The Five-Hour School Week, Play. There's all these books, but one book is called um, Courage to Grow by Laura A. Sandifer. And she's, she is the founder, her and her husband founded Acton Academy, which is where my daughter goes. And this book will blow your fucking mind. It'll make you want to rip your child out of traditional school, number one, but it is such a great book, whether you even have a child or not, just to really learn about the hero's journey and a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset and, and how we educate our children and uh, you know, like where we kind of go wrong. There's a a writer that they really reference in there who likens school to prison, and everybody mm-hmm. scoffs at that. They're like, whatever. But when well, at schools. At- I was talking about this with my sister the other day. Schools in America are based on a Prussian model. Oh yeah. Instill order, patriotism, conformity, and compliance. What 100%. do all that <laughs> prison? I mean, that's the thing. It's like you you're shuffled from room to room. You have certain time outside. You eat shitty food. You are told to be quiet. You're told when to talk, when to whatever. And when my daughter decided she wanted to homeschool, the big, one of the, her biggest reasons was like, I'm not allowed to, to talk and express myself. And that I'm like, yeah, that's fucked up. That's <laughs> a fucking problem. Yeah. At Acton, it's, you know, it's peer-based interactions. They help each other figure things out. And then it's also project-based. So they're diving really deep into something for six weeks. And then they're putting on what's called an exhibition at the end of that six weeks. and 
I swear to God, my daughter, like last night, she was like, oh, I wish I could go to Acton right now. Like she hates when the weekends come around, even because she just wants to go. It's so awesome. That is rad. That's rad. Well, I mean, a lot of good info for y'all. Um, scoop it up. Listen to, Yes. hope you're listening to the podcast. Hope you write it down. Um, we do coffee and trades every month where we literally just pick a different uh, uh, trade mag and we go through it. We look at books. We talk about books um, because we decided that at the root of this all, that's what this is about, is our uh, mutual love for books. We all love books. So if there's stuff you want to hear about, uh, stuff you want us to talk about, stuff we're not covering that you'd like for us to cover, please comment. Um, for the <laughs> Rate, love of fucking subscribe. God. Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> Bribing hashtag, people for hashtag, hashtag, and that is not a joke. We will no. bribe. You. Um, yes, we will. Please, please, please check us out anywhere you get our, our uh, your podcast or at our website at rightwayco.com slash podcast. Um, and we will be back next week with more densely packed shop talk about the publishing industry. Indeed. Thanks, guys. Until next week.